if you know anything about Christmas and the Christmas story, you know that there's a, there's a few spots where we get to, to see some pretty awesome things on the, the real reason for Christmas. And we're going to be looking at good news of, I, w- I was thinking of how to title this, like good news of mediocre joy. Is that a good, good title? Yeah, I scrapped that one too. No, we, we want something better, and God is providing something that is not just good, but great. Everybody say great. Good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. God is not offering us anything but the best, the greatest. And so as we kick off in Luke chapter 1, we're going to be, we're going to be taking a look at three different areas of the, the Christmas story. And we want to start off with this, of good news, here's the plan. Here's the plan. Because uh, a lot of us, we think different thoughts about Christmas, we have different ideas about Christmas, and I don't know when the last time in our busy schedules to, to just slow down and, and read the plan. What was God's plan? What was his agenda on that very first Christmas? Christmas is the initiation of God's plan coming together. I mean, talking about uh, him bringing the light that destroys the darkness. Is that good news? Perfect light that casts out all darkness. How about all hope that destroys every lingering discouragement, despair, and depression? God brings hope, and God is bringing satisfaction to fill our longings. We get started in Luke 1, verse 26. I just I put it at the top, I love it when a plan comes together. A few of you might get that, but when God's plan, right, is initiated and, and it's starting to form and it's being executed, finally it's here. Why is that exciting to us during Christmas? Well, some of us might need uh, help with a little bit of a backstory. Anybody know the last book of the Old Testament? A little Bible trivia. I know it's early in the morning. I don't know if you're fully caffeinated or not, but last book of the Bible is Malachi, this prophet, that he was the last one to speak, and then we have 400 years of we have 400 years of, of waiting and anticipating and wondering, what's, what's going on? God, where are you? And I don't know if you've been in a place where, and I, I heard God's voice and I've, I've walked with God through different seasons and he felt close and I could experience his presence and his power. And then what happens when the lights go out? What happens when stirrings in our heart of, abandonment of, God, why did you leave me? Of, God, why aren't you answering? Why aren't you speaking? Why are you not showing up in my situation? This isn't what I signed up for. How long is this going to last? When is it going to end? And we have 400 years of silence. And there is good news that finally, everybody say finally, finally has showed up. And we're talking good news of great joy and here we get to see firsthand what is this good news anyone need good news this christmas anybody in need of good news after weeks months years of a whole lot of bad a lot of bad news a lot of bad news good good news so how do i experience joy in jesus during a crazy christmas season and i think all of us have different ways that we're trying to wrestle through not just trying to survive but to be filled with joy during a season like this. So why, why be filled with great joy? If you're taking notes, jot this down. Number one, God's joy plan. Here, here's God's joy plan. God's joy plan is sent 
So get ready. It's sent. It's, it's here. We're not waiting anymore. The wait is over. The wait is over. The wait is over. It's sent. Here we go. Verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, everybody say he's kind of a big deal. Yeah, uh, kind, of, kind of one of the head honcho angels, right? He was sent from God to a city of Galilee. And what kind of city was this? What, what city? It was what? It was Nazareth. I, I, don't, I don't know how you read I, in, in my Bible. It says Nazareth. Like, bleh. anybody in their right mind, they don't visit a place like Nazareth. Not, like, you don't go there. You don't go there. And who went? Gabriel. Gabriel. High-profile angel heads to Nazareth. Verse 27, where is he going? To a, a virgin that is betrothed. Can we get some clarity? Betrothed. Everybody say, what in the world does that mean? Betrothed. In Jewish custom, we would have a process of engagement and marriage that was very, very defined. Okay? So betrothal would have meant this young girl, and, and we're talking about Mary here, right? If that was a surprise, sorry, spoiler alert. Okay, we're talking about Mary, probably 12 years old, 13 years old, 14 years old. She's already in the process. Deal was worked out between families. Joseph already had Mary belonged to Joseph. So we're talking a commitment for an entire year, not together yet, but there is a sense of it's already done. It's as good as done, betrothed. That might be a little different than maybe some of our eight-day engagements or eight-year engagements. It was pretty clear what this, to a man named Joseph, and he was of the, the house of David, which is a pretty big deal. Sent from God, Gabriel, sent from God 400 years later after all this silence, and then, and then, lift up your voice and say, and then, and then, here we go. Gabriel gets the mission. So God saying, Gabriel, you're, you're the man. You need to go. You need to go to Nazareth. You are on a mission. And guess what? Before God even had to repeat himself, like Gabriel's out the door on his way down. And he's like, we've been waiting so long for this. Is it here? Is it here? Is it here? Is it here? It's here. It's game time. It's go. He got the green light. He's sent. And now what do we see? We see good news is traveling with Gabriel to Mary. I want to ask a, a big question. If, if good news was going to be delivered, is that the first time that we hear about good news in the Bible? Like, we have to wait for the Gospels for any good news to show up. Is that true? Everybody say, no, it is not. Shake your head, no. Actually, we got good news a long time ago. I don't know if you, you know much about these first pages of the Bible, but the, the first chapter, pretty awesome, pretty awesome. Everybody agree? If you've read it, you know, Genesis 1. By the time we get to Genesis 3, everybody say, no bueno. Not good, not good. But do you know what God does? And we got a slide. If you want to put that slide up, okay? I don't know if you can see that clearly, but we have the very first mention of the good news, the first gospel, okay? Every, everybody, I know that you walked in this door this morning saying, hey, I better learn a brand new word that I can't even pronounce without assistance, okay? That better be showing up on my doorstep, right? Washing up on, on my shore this morning, sitting in my pew, we have the first, proto, as in like prototype, right? The first, evangelium, good news, the first good news. Where does it show up? Do we have to wait till the Gospels? No, Genesis 3.15. The third chapter of the book, even though we have horrific bad news laid out, we already are in a place of good news. It's right there. I will put enmity, like anger, hatred, between who? Between you and 
and the woman. And this is, this is Jesus, or this is God speaking concerning Jesus and the punishment to the serpent, Satan. There's going to be enmity, enmity between you and the woman. Anybody think that's good news? Well, Satan and the woman are not going to be best friends. Hopefully, we, we think that that's pretty good news, right? Uh, they're going to battle. They're going to fight. And it's going to be between who? Your offspring and, and her offspring. So you're talking like demonic minions attacking mankind for the rest of human history, at least. And where does it show up? The third chapter of the Bible, okay? Like, we, we should have saw this coming, right? It, it was there from the beginning. Here we have he. Who's he? Jesus, right? What is he going to do? He's going to bruise your head, literally to, to crush and destroy your head to death. What's that a picture of? We're talking the cross and victorious resurrection is coming soon. It's already laid out in chapter three. Hopefully none of us are like, well, the manger and then the cross, all of that, that shows up in the New Testament. That's not until like way at the end of the story. No, it's in the, it's in the third chapter and you shall bruise his heel. We're talking crucifixion where Satan and his minions were having a party thinking like we won we won we won it's not over yet the ultimate defeat of Satan was was going to come we have good news from chapter three right after the worst possible news of all mankind fallen sin is going to be passed on original sin is going to be yours and mine and everyone that comes after us inheriting sin because of the fall everybody say but there's good news there's good news. There's good news. We have good news throughout all of Scripture leading to this place right here. The good news has been anticipated since chapter 3. When bad news comes, I don't know if, if you know, but our God, as soon as bad news comes, he loves to bring the good news. As soon as danger comes, he loves to bring the rescue. As soon as the, the fall enters and he already has a plan, everybody say, that's our God. That's our God. That's what he's like. I, I don't know what version of God that you might have in your mind or that you picked up on that like God is far away, God is distant, God doesn't care, God knows maybe that I have problems, if he even sees me at all, that he's distant, that he's apathetic, that he is a dad, that is a deadbeat and that is gone for good and I keep hearing about that there's good dads out there and that's not my experience. Every Christian needs to know this, we have a perfect dad, a perfect father that loves to come to the rescue, that knows you and I intimately. We have a God that sees. We have a God that knows. We have a God that acts. We have a God that moves. We have a God of good news. He is not out there. He is right here. During Christmas, you're going to hear the term over and over again, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, because our God is what? He's with us. He's with us. Do you know him? Do you know him? This God that is near. And why, why would this God of all power and of all solutions send Gabriel, his number one guy, down to earth to bring good news? Where was he going? Was he going to the palace? Was he going to, to find the richest princess in all of the land so that the king of heaven can have uh, a birth and a life that is fit for a king? Nazareth. That's where. That, that's where. That's also our God. Our God that comes low, not just near, but to the lowly hearted, to those that are outcasts. What does it say? The virgin's name was Mary. Verse 28, he came to her and he said, greetings, O favored one. How about that, to have an army warrior angel 
show up. And, and the idea of greetings is, is more of a gentler, common kind of, kind of greeting. I, I don't know about you, but if you had like a horrifying 25-foot angel with a sword in his hand show up, would you like it if he kind of like gave you a warning of like, hey, greetings, hey, hey. In most cases, what does he do? Any angel that shows up, they go, do not, what? Don't fear, like you're about to drop dead and faint and pass out because uh, what's about to be seen and heard is horrifying, and he shows up, and I, I don't know if this is a gentle, I don't know if he said, hey, don't, uh, don't freak out, okay? Greetings, and the first thing out of his mouth was, you are favored by God. Everybody say, that's awesome. To see an angel, first of all, to be a, a nobody, a, a peasant teenage girl, kind of minding her own business, not an awesome future, not sure where she's going other than she's got a guy, and for God himself to send a messenger and say, you are favored by God. I don't know if she said, uh, excuse me, angel sir, I think you got the wrong address, you know, the palace is down the road, like favored by God? Are you just going door to door? You have been chosen. You are favored. God sees you, and he's choosing you. Could we say, if you are a child of God, if you are a follower of Jesus, this is true of you. You are favored by God. God sees you and favors you that you are his daughter, his son, favored favored by God. This is just awesome. This is awesome. If you're in Christ, this is who you are. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's who you are. Let them know. That's who you are. That's who you are. The good news comes to the burden, to the, to the needy, to the ordinary. God does extraordinary things through ordinary people. There was nothing special about Mary. Contrary to popular belief, she was a nobody, and God saw her, favored her, chose her. Number two, if you're taking notes, God's joy plan is defined, so be courageous. Be courageous. Be courageous. Turn to your neighbor and say, be courageous. Be courageous. Be courageous. Here's some clarity of the plan. But she was greatly troubled. You think you might have been like just a little troubled? I don't know if she was more troubled by like I'm favored. Like you're, ta you're talking about the God, you're talking about the one and only God. And that I don't know if she was freaking out and really, really troubled in her heart because she being knocked over and passed out by just the sheer presence of, of Gabriel, but she was troubled. She tried to discern, what's happening right now? What, what, what's this greeting? I mean, he's telling me things, and I have no idea what, what is he getting at. Verse 30, the angel said to her, here it is, Mary, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary. Do not be afraid. We have roughly 365 times in Scripture of fear not or do not be afraid. I don't know about you, but it's really helpful to think, how often do I need to be reminded not to be afraid? Uh, every day, every day, every day. Lift up your voice and say every day. Every day. We, we got one verse a day. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. He says it again. Favored one. You have found favor with God. Do you think if it's repeated that he was trying to get something across? Mary, I don't know if you heard me the first time. I don't know if you believe me. I don't know if there's a message for, for us this morning of, well, I know God said it, but I forgot it. Or I know God said it, but I'm not sure if he meant it. And I know that God promised it, but we have a God that doesn't mind repeating himself who you are because you forget. I, I forget. And here we have the repetition of Mary, a favored one. You have found favor. To know the plan of God is to know the courage of God, because God is giving you new identity. We could say favor conquers 
fear. That would make a great bumper sticker, all right? All right, there's, I don't think there's a copyright on that. You can go ahead and take that. But favor conquers fear. I know who I am. I'm not looking for everyone else to approve of me. I don't care what other people say about me. I am not insecure running around trying to make sure that everybody knows me and hears me and sees me and highly views me. I know who I am. I know how God sees me. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. Does anybody think that's freeing? Anybody think there's a level of, of liberation from that to go throughout your day and have God repeating over and over, this is who you are. This is what I think of you. And then as you go Monday into the workplace with family, going throughout your day, all of your plans, you're just like, I don't give a rip how many likes. I don't give a rip how many people know my name or what they even think about me. I I don't have to have approval. I don't have to be an approval junkie anymore. I don't have to be addicted to, do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? Do you see that I'm great? Do you think great thoughts about me? Do you you love me? Do you love me? Are you going to leave me? Don't leave me. Are are you going to be my security? Are you going to be my identity giver? We're free. We're free from that. Everybody say that's good news. If we get that, that's such good news. And Mary, with her, with her doubts, with her questions of what's going on and what's being told about me, and I jotted down Christmas, Christmas, God with me equals God for me. Emmanuel, God with me. That's awesome. That's great that God's everywhere and he's kind of with me. To have God on your side and to have God with you means this. He is for you. Do you believe that? Not just that he's around, because I don't know what image you have of God the Father, that I know he's close, but he's kind of like standing off at a distance going, really? Again? Predictable. There you go again. When are you going to get it together? I don't know what your dad was like. I don't know what your upbringing was like. But there's something that sticks with us of the, the scowl of a disapproving father, a disgusted father. I blew it again. I failed again. And I know, I know if God sees everything, he must be like that all the time with me. Everybody say, not true. There's good news. Because when you're in Christ, when you have been forgiven, when you're in relationship with God, there are no more frowns. He is always filled with favor for you because God's not just with you. God is for you. He is for you. And I, I don't know how many times you need to hear that a day. But for you to write that on a three-by-five card and every single day that you would be able to look and you would be able to see the truth. I don't care what lies are going through my head or what people are saying about me or to me, but here's the truth. God with me, Emmanuel. Christmas means God is for me. God is for you. He's for you. And not just during Christmas that we get to sit back and and realize that, embrace that, but I don't know what happens in January other than a lot of failed New Year's resolutions, okay? But when you fail by week two of January, you can hear God's voice over and over speaking, favored one, you are favored, you are loved, I am I'm for you, I see you, I see you. Verse 31, and behold, behold, like, like whoa, whoa, check this out. That's, that's what it says in the Greek. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Anybody know what Jesus' name means? Jesus. Jesus. Old Testament, it's Joshua. 
It means Jehovah saves. God to the rescue, literally. God's coming to rescue. God's the superhero. He's here, Jesus, in the flesh. God in the flesh. Jesus is salvation. Verse 32, he will be great. Everybody say the greatest. Come on, lift up your voice. He will be the, the greatest. He will be the greatest, biggest, best, greatest. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And we have throughout the history that, that King David, that there was a promise that through David, this lineage, this line was coming. And that a throne, one day, it's not just going to be a temporary throne in Israel, that David as the, the best, the most highest regarded earthly king of Israel. But you know what they were anticipating? Someone better than David is coming. And in that day, they were like, how is that possible? How is that possible, right? Something better than David because the throne of David was nothing compared to an eternal forever throne that's going to be set up. It's not just going to be a temporary rule. This is going to be forever, a throne. Verse 33, and his reign. <laughs> He's going to reign over the house of Jacob for a little while. Is that what your, what your version says? Forever and ever and ever. Can I get an amen? Yeah, forever, forever. I don't know if you want to continue living for what decays and rusts and falls apart and breaks, but the call of Christmas, once again, is there is a king, and his rule is forever. When you live for him, it says this, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is being spoken over Mary, and she is being reminded the things that you've heard of old and all these hundreds and thousands of years, and it's finally here, and it's for you and there is a kingdom that's going to be built. You're going to be part of this kingdom. Anybody, anybody want to get on that train? I want to get off the train of my kingdom. May my kingdom come. I know what's best for me, says I. Thus saith the boss of my life, me, this is my kingdom, and I'm building my kingdom here. Everybody say that's bad news. But don't we do it every day in little subtle ways? We forfeit a kingdom that has no end, a kingdom that is eternal, and say, I like my kingdom better. I, I like my way better. I just jotted down, John, what kingdom are you living for? It's <laughs> a good question, right? What kingdom are you living for? Don't build your kingdom here, a kingdom that has no end. But what does that take? It takes courage. Be, be courageous. I'm going to choose to reject the temporary pleasures of this world. I'm going to choose to reject and deny myself. I'm going to choose to say no to all the building blocks of my kingdom here day after day and say, this isn't where I belong. This is fading away. And every time I'm tempted, every time I'm drawn back, it takes courage to say, I'm not going to be a sucker again. I'm not going to be duped. Again, I'm not going to be lied to. And there's no season quite like Christmas <laughs> where the whole world just breaks free and says, buy me. You need me. Get me. I will satisfy. I will make you happy. This is the dream gift. This is what you deserve. You owe it to yourself. This is the season that 
all Hades breaks loose with the lies and the lusts and the desires of, I satisfy, I satisfy. And we keep turning courageously, courageously to King Jesus and say, Jesus, only you satisfy. Only you can satisfy my soul. I was going through a number of, of hymns over the past weeks, and I think our worship team is realizing to greater degrees that uh, apparently we are in a day, 2021, there are like 84,000 versions of every single traditional song. And you're like, I just want to sing the song. And it's, which one, right? So I listened to approximately 14 versions of Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. Why was he born? Freedom for us, for us. From our fears and sins, release us, free us from our fears, free us from our sins. Let us find our rest in thee, to rest in God. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth, right? The earth's hope. You are, you are God. Dear desire of every nation. Here's an awesome line, right? Joy. Everybody say joy. Joy of every longing heart. And isn't that every heart is a longing heart. Every heart is a worshiping heart. Every heart is a, a vacuum desiring. And I love Jesus came to be our joy. The joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver. Born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. Bring your kingdom. By thine own eternal spirit rule in all our hearts alone. You alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, it's, it's your work, not mine, raise us to thy glorious throne. I was just thinking through, lift us to that place where it's like, where you rule, where you're the boss, you're the king, your kingdom come, your will be done, God, this Christmas and every day, right? Number three, are you taking notes? God's joy plan is explained. It's explained. All right, we, we need some explanation. So be expectant. Be expectant. I, I don't know if this is a season that you are dreading or that you are expecting, that you're expectant. But when we see this, verse 34, expectation. Mary said to the angel, how will this be? How, how in the world is this really going to happen since I'm a virgin? I, I don't think she was filled with with doubt, I think she knew who she was talking to, who was talking to her, but she was like, how is this humanly possible? Here we go. Whenever you have the, the questions of God, how are you going to do this? How are you going to move this forward? How are you going to help me navigate through this? How is this all going to work out? I was, I was reading Genesis 50 this, this week and thinking about the life of Joseph from Genesis 37 to 50. It keeps getting worse and worse to worse, and there's no way out. And just when it looks like it's getting better, then Joseph is, is tortured a little bit more with circumstances, and he gets to the end, him looking at his brothers, the villains of the narrative. You meant this for evil, and, and a whole lot of other people meant a whole lot of evil against me, but God, you meant it for good the whole time. It was for good. Everything he's working is, this isn't going to make sense. The story's not over yet. I just jotted down, I can't, but God, you can. I can't, but God, you can. I don't know if you need that this week of, God, I can't, I can't, I can't, but you can. You can. 
I'm not confident in me. I'm confident in you. Again and again and again. Do you have an arsenal of God impossible stories? I don't know if over the years, I don't know how long you've been walking with the Lord. If you're a Christian, that can, can you look back and can you just recall and replay stories of, and then there I was, and then there we were, at the very end, at the very bottom, there was no way out, there was no possible answer, there was no cure, there was no solution. It's impossible. It's impossible. But God, but God, but, but God showed up. But, but God came in, but God rescued Jesus God is my salvation. He, he came and he rescued me again and again. He provided for me over and over. Here we have how. How is this going to happen? Verse 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. He's holy. He's the Son of God. I mean, we're talking finally sin can be broken. Finally, there is a line, not of sinful man, but the Holy Spirit is going to come upon. The the Spirit of God is going to make this happen. No more sin line of Adam. Now it's from on high, a holy child, sinless Savior. Why is that good news? Because the only way, I mean, think about it, the only way, that there could be any hope for you or for me looking on that cross is that whoever's hanging on that cross, if he made one flaw, one error, if there was one even small, if we can call it that, sin, there's no perfect sacrifice. There's no substitute. There's no hope. He's got to be perfect. He's got to be sinless all the way through, born sinless, all the way through to the end, sinless and perfect for me, for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, for you sinless sacrifice he was born sinless born of god this is incredible the power of the most high will overshadow you it says uh, i i love the the imagery if you know anything about old testament israel especially as they're 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 traveling they're setting up uh setting up camp and one of the spots is the is the holy of holies right and the holy of holies is the the inner 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 sanctum and you have a place that is so sacred, so holy, God dwells there, right? God overshadows, like he is encompassing and filling this place of the Holy of Holies. And I mean, just imagine, just picture, I don't know if Mary had thought this image was, she's looking down thinking, the Spirit of God, like the Holy of Holies is in her. God is covering her and she's covering him. I mean, this is, this is wild. This is never to be expected. Like, how is this possible that God would be able to abide, to be able to be within, to be in contact with, with people in this way, and God is the one that comes. God is the one that over, overcomes her and says, you're going to be overshadowed. There's going to be a child. He's going to be holy. Verse 36, and behold, here's another, Mary, if you didn't get it the first time, here's another, check this out, listen up, this is huge. Your relative Elizabeth in her old age, everybody say way old, like whoa, 
old, old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called, what does your translation say? She was barren, unable to have kids. Like, no, there's no possible way, no ability, humanly speaking, to have a baby. Some of you know uh, our story of uh, infertility and unable to have kids for first four years of our marriage and uh, for us to be able to bring Asher home and then all of a sudden weeks later you're pregnant and then to have a honky girl with us and then all of a sudden weeks later you're pregnant and then it's like this is ridiculous well it didn't feel like God was able in those four years it didn't feel like God was for us in those years it didn't feel like God was good in those years and it's just so awesome that God can take a a, a teenage girl and say, I see you and I'm going to use you and to come to a, a lady that sounds like a, that Elizabeth was near death. I mean, like so old that like she knows she only has a limited time. I know that you can't have kids until I show up, says God, right? Until, until I speak, till I bring life. And in both cases, we're not talking about one miracle with Mary. We're talking about Two miracles, one family, right? Little girl, old lady together. And it's like, miracle, right? Like all at the same time. I don't know what their family gatherings were like, but it's, every, I don't know if everybody just like stared at them. Like, huh? What? Huh? And, and, and what would be the response? Let's find out. Because in their minds, and probably in families' minds, is this is impossible. This is impossible. This is impossible. Everybody say, this is impossible. For nothing will be impossible with God. Do you see that? Verse 37. Everybody say, that's good news. There is nothing. There is nothing that can stop his power. There is nothing too big. There is nothing that is too bad, too hard, too gone. The impossible, that's what God does. Do you know him? Do you know him? The God of the impossible, the God that he did what? And, and, and all I did, and I was at the end, and I had no hope, no future. I had no way forward. We didn't know how we were going to. And then the God of the impossible, nothing will be impossible with God. I mean, just, just for us to imagine Mary sitting there. I mean, Gabriel's trying to explain, and she's going, impossible, impossible, impossible. Nope, no way, impossible, impossible. I mean, not even God could do that. Impossible, impossible. And then all of a sudden, Gabriel's like, uh, nothing will be impossible with God. Oh, okay, okay. Mary, shh, watch God work. Watch him work. Many of us believe this is true for others, but do you believe it's true for you? I'm confident that our church is, is full of prayer warriors that are passionate about praying for the impossible to happen for other people. And oftentimes, some of us find ourselves in places where we are, we are giving guarantees and promises to people, God can do this. God is greater than this. God can provide in amazing ways. And as you speak those words of encouragement, and as you minister to people, maybe, in the back of your head, you're going, I know he can do it for them. Why is he doing it for me? I'm confident that God is greater than their problems, but it doesn't feel like he's greater than my problems. And I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what 2022 is going to look like, but I know there are going to be opportunities where you're going to be a great encouragement to others 
And may you hear God speaking those words to you and saying, it's not just for them, it's for you. It's for you. The yes is for you. The impossible grace, it's coming to you. It's for you also. It's not just for everybody else. Grace is coming your way. And if you would have, if you would have been in my kitchen seven years ago as Sarah sat us all down and not my best moment, and she pulled out, is it sonogram? Is that the right word? I don't want to get my grams wrong, right? All right. She pulled out pictures of another girl. Really? Really? All right. And one of the hard parts was there was so much happening in our lives, so much wrong, so much bad, so much hard. And I don't know if you've been in situations where, like, something's supposed to be a blessing, and you're like, this doesn't feel like, like wrong timing, wrong way, wrong everything. And so awesome, godly Pastor John looking at a picture, I throw it down and I say, are you freaking serious right now? And I walked into the kitchen. That was my response. You had to be there to understand when there's a backstory and things are brewing and you're going, no, I, I don't want this. This doesn't work. This doesn't fit. And I walked into the kitchen <laughs> and I, I, I haven't heard God's voice audibly uh, at, at the point of my salvation, it was pretty close, but this was the only second time, and I walked in the kitchen, almost audibly, God said, grace is coming. Grace is coming. Great. It, you can't feel it. You can't see it right now. This seems impossible. Grace is coming. And, and immediately, I'm like, okay, that's a pretty cool name. But my second thought is, I hate that I know what you're saying. Because you always come through, and your grace is always sufficient, but I hate your timing. All, I, I hate the situations. I, I hate the feelings. I hate the unknown future. And why now, and why this? And I don't know about you, but on that day, Mary, joy, great joy, but it didn't feel super awesome. It felt overwhelming. It felt untimely. It, it was blindsided, unexpected, but pure awesomeness was coming her way. And for us, for us, what is ahead? What is ahead for you, for your family, for our future, 2022? As we look at wrapping up another year, going into the unknown of a new year, during Christmas, whatever's on your heart, whatever's on our heart as a church family, grace is, it's coming. It's coming. And it's not just like a little bit of grace. There is an unbelievable, unending supply of grace that is just going to be pouring out. And if we would hear God speak, if we would receive by faith, number four, here we go. God's joy plan is embraced by faith. God's joy plan, it's embraced by, by faith. All right? So here's our final verse. Everybody say, land the plane. Come on. Land the plane, yo. 38, Mary said, Behold, because she got all these beholds, like, Mary, check this out. You got to see this. And, and she's, she's like, I got a response to this. Check this out. I mean, like, Gabriel, listen to this. God, here is my, my heart. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. I'm, I'm a favored one. And you know what favored ones are? They're servants. They're servants. Let it be to me according to your word. Another word, another way we could say it is Jesus later will say, Father, not my will, but yours. Yours be done. Let's wrap up with this. Embracing God's plan by faith 
We see this in Mary. Do we see this in, in our life that God is calling us? If we are going to be living with joy, joy abundantly, great joy, good news of great joy, we embrace the unknown. We embrace the unknown. I have no idea. I, I don't know the future, but my God does. My God does. Embrace your weakness. I can't do this. I don't have what it takes. Awesome. You're in a really good place because God is enough. Embrace the cost as Mary did. Like this is, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I expected. But to be honest about, this, this is going to be sacrifice. I am going to have to give and give and give and embrace his word. As Mary heard the messenger, right, the words of God to her, she embraced them. She believed, do we, and embrace his will, not your own. Embrace his will. God, your will, your way. I want us to read this. The more I come to know Jesus, the greater the desire to know him more. Jesus is inviting me to know him. He desires for me to know him. There is no greater joy than more of Jesus. And lastly, more Jesus. Let's say that together. More Jesus, more joy. Do we believe it? Do we believe it this Christmas season?